All right. Thinking and drinking. This is, uh, Amy's here. Hi. Hi. Um, this is about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Induction. And induction. And the show that was just on. Um, it actually happened October 30th in Cleveland, which I think is for the first time. I th- first time I remember. Right? Yeah. It's always been in New York. It's always been in New York or LA, I feel like, maybe. Mm, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, it was the 36th annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, and we were just looking that up. And you said... So, okay, we were wondering how long the Rock Hall had been around the actual physical museum. So I just Googled that, and it said that it opened in 1983 in New York, which is not wrong. right. That was when it was established, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame In Cleveland. um, Physical building opened up in 2016. I just found that. So and we've um, been there a time or two. We've been there once. When is it Walter, just once? Yeah, just that one time. Okay, which is great. I mean, oh yeah, like if you're ever in Cleveland, definitely go because I'm not sure what else there is to do in Cleveland. Sorry, Cleveland people. I'm go sorry. see the uh, Christmas Story House. You can go see the Christmas Story House. That's <laughs> right. I forgot. <laughs> anyway, there's two reasons to go, and it's not anything to do with um, their football team, but we'll digress. There was a uh, a lot of a lot going on. There was four categories. The performer category, which and we'll we'll get in we'll dig into each one of these, but that was Tina Turner, Carol King, the Go Go's, Jay Z, Foo Fighters, and Todd Rundgren. There was the Early Influence Awards Award, which was Kraftwerk, Charlie Patton, and Gil Scott Heron. There was the Musical Excellence Award, which was LL Cool J, Billy Preston, and Randy Rhodes, St. Rhodes. And there was the Amit Erdogan Award, which was Clarence Avant. Which, that's a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. I think that's given to someone who's not an actual performer, right? Usually like a... Music exec. Yeah, which is what Amit Erdogan right. was at. Yeah. Anyway, show opened. Taylor Swift. Very cool version if will you still love me tomorrow? Yes. Which was Carol King was the first one to go in. Yeah. And I thought that ver- her version of that song was killer. I it mean, was I- so different and from what you know I know of yeah. that song and you know it's still like when I found out Carol King wrote some of those songs that were such like huge girl group songs of the 60s it was kind of like yeah. she's that like I didn't think she must have been like super young, like in her early twenties, writing those songs. And and she said that um, like when they do they do like a little montage, little montage of their life. And she said that she um, started off as a staff songwriter in the Brill Building, yeah. but also what she, what did she say? She conduct like started playing piano at seven and conducted an orchestra at fifteen. Fifteen, I'm yeah. Just like, you were a phenom for sure. But the Brill Building as a writer and music somewhat aficionado that's such a historic oh yeah thing i mean when you look at the i mean going back to phil specter and all those cats that wrote anything in new york it was always the brill building right. I've, i still don't understand if that was one publishing company or if there was 50 publishing companies in one building several. but i but, mean i remember reading about it and hearing about it when i took music business history it was obviously an important part in publishing i yeah. would like it to what music row used to be because it's not like that anymore yeah sadly, that's a good point it's yeah. now condos and parking you know, lots parking lots yeah but 
you know, when I came to town, when you came to town, Music Row was 16th and 17th Avenue South, and it was filled with record labels, um, some studios, and publishing houses. Yeah. Management and, like, but mainly it was a lot of publishing houses. A lot of music business. So, you know. Yeah. You could find where all the big hits that were written within those two streets in country music. But and I, the bill building was that for pop music, especially, like, early on pop yeah. music. I never really thought of her as an artist nearly as much as a writer sure, because of my own ignorance. But I mean, shoot tapestry sold 25 million records. I mean, it was on the charts for six years. Singing BGVs on that record was Joni Mitchell and James Taylor. That's yeah. Pretty amazing stuff, man. No. And I loved um, that, you know, during that little montage, they showed a bunch of different um, people talking about her and Elton John. One of the things yeah. I wrote down that he said is that she was a quintal quintessential singer songwriter, mm. which like I, I have to absolutely agree about that. Like she like, especially female singer songwriter, like you think about her, like the originators and like she definitely comes yeah. to mind. Well, and that's also a big part or it was a big part of Nashville was going to see writers nights. Yeah. And seeing people that might be really good writers, but maybe not great singers. Right, right. And, and she, to me, and no offense and don't get mad at me, but she... To me, wasn't a great singer. Yeah, but I mean, she but, nobody sang her songs better than she did. Right, and she had that. I don't know. She was so perfect for the time that yeah. she came out in as a song a singer. To have that tapestry album in the early seventies, to me, that's just it's like you hear her music and you think of nineteen seventies. Like yeah. for me, I do. Um, and I love that she was saying that James Taylor was really someone who really helped encourage her pushed her and pushed her to yeah. be out in the, in the front. And, um, even he was saying it was strange how she, she recorded, um, Oh gosh, what is the name of the song? I'm going to forget it. Um, too late. No, not too late, but one of the songs he recorded. Oh, at the same time that you she got was a recording, you've got a friend Yeah, that she was recording for tapestry. He was like, I can't believe she let me have this song. <laughs> right. And like, I think most people probably think of James Taylor singing it, but that was also on her tapestry record. I and th- like, I, how cool is that? I that, thought he wrote it. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you did say that last yeah, night. Like I, I had no idea. Crazy. Anyway. So, and, and again, about her voice, she just kind of had kind of just a raspy. Yeah. Very personality voice not perfect not perfect vibrato and everything else you know i mean it was a real to me it was she was more of an artist than a singer yeah Does that makes sense yeah i think so many people nowadays are just singers they're not well and almost more well i, I want to take that back i don't agree i i, I know what you're saying but i think of her more of as a singer songwriter than a yeah. artist because oh, yeah. to me a singer songwriter yeah is not necessarily someone who has the most you know amazing voice they just they i don't know it's a difference to me in my mind she had the coolest band she did have a cool band lee sklar and danny korchmar and those guys man that was that was pretty cool and i thought taylor did a great job um great job we've not been a super great fan don't add us and tell us how bad we are because we don't like taylor but we're not a great fan of her just because of some of her statements on record companies and you can listen to that and other and i'm old things i'm an old guy i'm just saying like her (laughs) personally yeah but i felt like she did a really really good job um, inducting her and talking about her and how like she grew up with her dad playing carol king's music for her and that really influenced her and carol king even said like you know to taylor at the end of her speech like 
thank you for carrying the torch. You're kind of like my <laughs> granddaughter in music or something <laughs> like that. And I thought like that's musical grand dang. musical granddaughter. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool little yeah. moment. Um, yeah. And then then Jennifer Hudson saying natural woman because she was playing Aretha in that movie. And then Carol King came out and played um, You've Got a Friend. Yeah. So it was cool. I love when they play. Like I always like it's cool to see the tributes, but when the artist plays, it's yeah. kind of the best. You know, not everybody's able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. Um, but yeah, great well, way to kick off the show. Yeah. Well, especially not all songwriters can sing. Right. And so when, oh, yeah. they, when they can, it's great. Yeah, for sure. So then it was Ladies Love Cool James. Yes. LL Cool J. And Dr. Dre did the uh, the award. Which I'm very confused. Like, so, you know, we went through the different categories of the awards that were given out. Yeah. But it seemed like everyone was still, like, inducted. But they, like, were just inducted under certain categories, Ca- Yeah, I there guess. was four different categories. And he was musical. Musical excellence. Excellence, I think. Which, I guess, doesn't get you into the hall as... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. It's so confusing. It's very me, I weird. I would say he's like an early influencer. Not that he was that early in hip-hop. He was definitely more once it was popular. But, but he was like, they said he was the first Def Jam artist. He got signed when he was 17. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That's Stevie Wonder kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm the last guy in the world to say I'm a rap fan, but that's pretty amazing. Well, and I wouldn't even say he's rap. Like, he is hip-hop to me. He's more... Okay. Yeah. Him and Jay-Z, who who we'll talk about in a little bit were more, I, I don't think of them as rap hardcore, like rap. Yeah. they're hip hop that kind of, he, I think I feel like LL Cool J was one of those guys who did bridge the pop hip hop oh, yeah. divide that, that made hip hop more mainstream um, to what we hear today. And it's influenced well, people like that. We personally know like Florida Georgia line and yeah. to bring that kind of stuff in it with Nelly and stuff like that. But yeah, I really don't um, know much about, I mean, I, like I was saying last night, I love Mama Said Knock You Out, and I love going back to Cali. Yeah. And his performance was awesome. Oh, he did a great job. I love that, um, I can't remember who said it in the documentary. I think it was one of the guys from Run DMC. And um, he said, he's not an OG, he's the G. He's the G. <laughs> and I guess he is kind of somewhat um, credited for creating the phrase goat greatest mm-hmm. of all time, greatest of all time, which I didn't know that. I thought that was pretty cool. Like yep. somebody has to say it for the first time. I thought some sports writer said that about right. Michael Jordan. So yeah, when he came out and performed, um, he had real musicians. He had real, like a full that on was band. Kind of it fun. was very cool. Yeah, like three um, guitar players. Yeah. And, um, Eminem came out. Eminem came out. I'm very surprised. And then JLo and I'd totally forgotten he'd done that, um, duet with JLo. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Um, I love that song. I was so excited to see her and she freaking looks amazing. But then he ended up with um, Mama Said Knock You Out, which that's probably my favorite of LL Cool J because that just reminds me of being like 14, 15. What did he say, though? I mean, he said he was raised by his grandma. He called Mama. Well, I don't know if he was raised by his grandma because his mom was there. Okay. But he said his grandmother said, Go downstairs. Go downstairs, like in regards to like having his feelings hurt about something and write a song. That will and knock him out. That will knock him out. And that's when he wrote, yeah, Mama, Mama Said cool. Knock You Out, which I thought was a really cool story. Then Randy Rhodes, who they gave about 15 seconds. I'm guessing that they must have cut really out some sucked. of this, um, like some of the these awards that maybe the people are no longer alive yeah. because of time, because it was already a three-hour program, three-and-a-half-hour yeah. program. 
But Tom Morello gave him actually a really cool speech. Yeah, he did. And he said his name, his uh, son was named Rhodes, Rhodes yep. after Randy Rhodes. But if you look at Randy Rhodes, I think, I mean, he was in Quiet Riot and stuff before Ozzy, but I think he, I mean, he did the first two studio records and I think he did one live record with Ozzy okay. and that's it. That's crazy. And he died when he was 25, 25, that right? which that kind of surprised me because yeah. that's just so young. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But then they, uh, did, uh, Billy Preston. Yep. And, uh, in fact, you know, those three together are the, uh, the Musical Excellence Awards. So maybe that's why they did those together. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But Billy Preston, who uh, was widely known as the fifth Beatle, and uh, he played on Beatles records. Yeah. And he played with the Stones and toured with the Stones. I mean, he did, you know, You Are So Beautiful and Nothing From Nothing Leaves Nothing. I mean, he's, he wrote You Are So Beautiful. Yeah. Which I didn't realize that. I thought wrote Joe, both Co- those, Joe yeah. Cocker wrote that. Yeah. Well, that's the definitive version, isn't it? Right. The, yeah, mm-hmm. Joe Cocker. Because Joe said something about him on Yeah, there. which is pretty amazing. But he was pretty cool, man. Pretty uh, influential keyboard player. Yeah, for sure. Then it came to your favorite, Tina, Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Do you want to talk about how hot Angela Bassett Oh, my gosh. Angela Bassett is... Still hot. <laughs> just stunning. She's in her 60s, and she looks like... She's just made a deal with somebody to, like, be the most beautiful woman on the planet. Her speech was so dramatic. I mean, it was like a... It was very acting Shakespeare out, acting, like. yeah. Yeah, it felt like a monologue. But she just... I mean, she looks amazing. And um, obviously, she played Tina Turner in the movie What's Love Got to Do With It, which you still need to see. I've never seen that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, but she was telling about Tina's history and say she won um, nine Grammy Awards, 200 million records. And this is her being inducted on her own, not yeah, her not with Ike her and Ike, Tina. Because right. she's already in with Ike and Tina. Yeah. But this is her as an artist, which I think is way overdue. Because, like, to me, again, it was the first cassette tape I ever owned was Tina Turner's Private private Dancer. And um, They said she started her solo career when she was in her 50s. 50, yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. It's like, who does that? And, like, Pink said something like, that just like breaks all sorts of walls down, you know, it gives you so much hope that she's in hitting her prime in her fifties. And, um, she said she wanted, she wanted to be like Mick Jagger and play stadiums. Yeah. And she did. And she did. And played with him. Yeah. And Brian Adams and countless others. But, uh, Keith Urban and her did it. Killer duet. On yes. The, on yes. the, uh, the Brian Adams, it's only love. Mm-hmm. That song, that was awesome. That was great. I don't know anything about her, but she, yeah, I mean, every time I see really her on TV, she blows me away. Yeah, we've only ever seen her on like award shows and stuff, but she's amazing. Um, I do love one little quote that Tina said in her little biopic thing was a jean jacket, a leather dress, and big hair. That to her was what <laughs> rock and roll was, and like that's totally her look in the um, "What's Love Got to Do with It" era. Yeah. Um, and then Mickey Guyton came out after Keith and her. And saying what's love got to do with it, um, that was a little lackluster for me yeah. personally. But no comment. Um, then Christina Aguilera came out and sang River Deep, Mountain High, um, which she did a great job. Yeah. But it was just it was a little too Christina for yeah. me, especially at the end. It was just like, okay, this is why people kind of make fun of who you are. Yeah. But um, but she did a good job. She still sounds amazing. Can you imagine if you had her and Jennifer? What was her name? Hudson. Hudson out there together. Oh, yeah. Trying to out scream. And then throw in Celine Dion just for fun. Oh, man. No thanks. Bart doesn't like artists to sing, to 
scream at him. I don't he like thinks they scream that at him. Scream at me. Sorry. <laughs> well, then uh, came Clarence Avant, and honestly, I don't know anything about him. Me either. He I mean, won just what we saw last night. Yeah, he won the Ahmed Erdogan Lifetime Achievement Award, and uh, he said, <laughs> as an executive, he would say his two favorite lines were "Go f yourself." And go to hell. And they said, but if he said those to you, that many liked you. Yeah. And yeah, I never heard like, and maybe they said it and I just missed it, like where he was an executive. It sounded like. Capital. Okay. It sounded like he was an advocate for a lot of black musicians. Yeah. Yeah. And he just wanted to help them get what they were paid or should be paid. Yeah. Their worth. Um, a lot of help. A lot of helping people get deals and get good deals. Yeah. Instead yeah. Not of just get screwed over. Get screwed like over, a, lot yeah. of, a lot of people did, you know, in the early you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like, I mean, he was so cute. I, I was kind of surprised he was still alive. He's 91. 91. Yeah. He's up there. And, like, he just he just seemed like somebody that you would have a great conversation with. Yeah. He was up there giving his speech. Um, I mean, he didn't say much, but it was just still like, you could tell that he had that personality that people just are drawn to. And, like, I don't know, he'd be someone that would tell great stories for oh, sure. Oh man, I'd like to have a cup of coffee with yeah. him and hopefully he would tell me to go after myself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was also one of those guys that was a personality when personality was still allowed in the record business. Yeah. And he did say, or somebody, I think maybe Lionel Richie said the, the thing about him is what, what he did is he told the truth, Yeah, which is a rarity in the music industry. That's so who inducted people... him, wasn't it? Lionel Richie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did a great job. Yeah. He did a great job. Doing that. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Then Todd Rundgren, who neither one of us are huge fans, don't know a ton about him, yeah. but he's a crazy writer and producer and player. One of the things I loved, he said, don't, if you're get if you have a guitar player in there that's not playing what you want, don't suck the creative life out of that guitar player. Yeah. He said, just do it yourself. It's yeah. like, oh, that makes total sense. I mean, he had whole albums where he played every note on every instrument on every song. That's amazing. And it's like, there's not too many guys that can do that and make them sound that good. But I've seen him a couple times in uh, Ringo's All-Star Band with Steve Lukather and all those guys in the world. And uh, he also had the, his bass player had the coolest name of all time. His name was Chasm Sultan. Okay. How about that? There you go. Not everybody knew that. No. But. Well, next was um, Charlie oh. Patton. Oh, did you have something else? I was going to say, my buddy Bob Reeves, our buddy Bob Reeves, oh. is the most huge Rundgren fan in the world that I know of anyway. And he said that he used to be able to go up to his house and just oh, knock yeah. on the door. And half the time, if he was in town, he'd answer the door and he'd just stand and talk to you as a fan. That's pretty crazy. It's like, And then I, uh, Bob said... Somebody found out where he lived and they beat the crap out of him. <laughs> so he stopped doing that, which is understandable. Yeah, people suck sometimes. Yeah. That's a quote from our pastor. That's right. Um, and they ruin things for everyone else, yep. unfortunately. Anyway. Next was um, Charlie Patton. He was an early influencer. We didn't really know who he was until um, Guy Clark Jr. came out and talked about him. He was, I guess, Gary known- Clark Jr. Gary. I put Guy on here. <laughs> Gary, my handwriting is horrible. Gary, I love Gary Clark Jr. He was the godfather of the blues. Um, yeah. Which I guess he came before 
um, Robert Johnson and Muddy Waters and all that. Um, Once I saw the picture, I knew who, who he was. Yeah. I'm not familiar with the that much of the Delta Blues kind of stuff that he was. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know much but, about him either. I kind of had heard his name before, but. Um, and Gary Clark Jr. did a great version of a song that I didn't know. No, yeah, it was. <laughs> he still I guess did a one great of, version of it. One of Charlie's most famous songs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. Um, and then Kraftwerk, which I'm gonna let you take that one away. Well, I mean, I don't electronic know about that. Yeah, electronic music pioneers. They influenced. I don't know how many people. I mean, when they were showing the videos, you can go, "Oh, that looks like Herbie Hancock," or "That sounds like Devo," or something. But the, just German guys making electronic music again. Don't really know much about them. Yeah, I've I'd never really heard about them before. The only thing I thought was interesting is that um, I wasn't Reverend Run. I can't remember who the other guy is from Run DMC, but he was saying that they were very influenced by Kraftwerk, which I was like, yeah. "Wow, okay, that's interesting." Daryl. Yes, Daryl, and um, he's he was saying he was showing like you know this part right here in this song, and he was like, "Yep, that's Kraftwerk," and I'm like, "There's some little musical stabs and stuff." Yeah, that, I was like, yeah. Wow, interesting. I never would have ever thought that those two, like, those just seem like completely, like, early hip-hop and electronic I, music. How would they even hear about Kraftwerk? Right. Yeah, I right. Mean, this some, German somebody, band, right. you know, from another country or whatever. So, but they were inducted. Um, and there was no, like, with Charlie, there was a performance. Kraftwerk, they didn't have a performance. Um and nobody was there. And nobody was there on their behalf. They um, did say the late so-and-so. I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm not sure. Yeah. So we apologize to all the Kraftwerk yes, fans. Yes, absolutely. That we are completely ignorant about this band. but We, we started are. off saying that we were pretty ignorant about some of these <laughs> yes. bands. So don't get all mad at us. Yes. And then next was um, the Go-Go's. And they were inducted by Drew Barrymore, who had the cutest <laughs> freaking induction ever. I mean, she was just... She was such a fan. She was showing pictures of her when she was a little girl, like completely dressing like the Go-Go's and her with Belinda Carlisle when she was a kid. Eight kiddo. years old or something. Yeah. yeah. And um, she did the towel on the body and the towel on the hair. Mm-hmm. And then she put the gold cream on her face and everything. Like right there. On stage. Live. She just. I mean, over her clothes. Put on a, yeah. But, but yeah. she put on the costume. It was great. Really but sweet. She, you know, I thought it was cool that they were the first all-girl band who wrote their own music and played their own music. Whenever I thought that they were maybe put together by like like a an executive or something, but they um, they kind of came together naturally and actually played and wrote their own music. Came from like the punk scene, which their music started out way more punk. Yeah, I would never have guessed that. I I liked the Go Go's growing up. I never had an album, and mm-hmm. I know they're hits, but like. I was probably not as big of a Go-Go's fan as like I was of other artists. To me, they're an MTV band. Oh, yeah. And I just remember seeing the videos, but yeah. no, I would have never bought a record or anything. I had Belinda Carlisle's solo record um, after they broke up, and but then they got back together. And I mean, they can't, They played, um, I guess, a medley of their hits. Um, pretty sloppy. Pretty sloppy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did fine. I mean, at least they're all together. It's all the original. Yeah, they're all. Band members, yeah, absolutely. So. There's no none of that touring with one original member stuff. Right. So not a dead band. No, not a dead band. Live band. But but they were cute. It was it was fun to see them yeah. get inducted. And then um, I'll let you go ahead. Uh, well, Gil Scott Heron, who was a poet, and I um, 
We, I don't yeah, know anything just, about we him. We know nothing about him. And they, so. there wasn't much about him other than Common kind of talking about his life story. Yeah. So, um, so there was no performance or any acceptance speech. Right. So um, instead of disrespecting him, we're just going to move on. Yes. It was the in memoriam stuff that, holy cow, this yeah. will be the longest part of this podcast for sure. Well, we were going to write down everybody, and then it was like, "There's not, let's just write down the ones that we're... Well, and again, a lot of people, we don't know who they right, are. Right, that we like, know of or, you know, were important in our musical world. Yeah. Um, so the first one they start off with was Charlie Watts to me, which is probably one of the biggest. I think the two biggest to me were Charlie Watt and and uh, Phil Spector. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Charlie. <laughs> There's a story in Ronnie Wood's book who by the way, is still probably the best rock and roll biography ever because yeah. it's not all sex and drugs. It's way more great stories. But he said that Charlie never got his driver's license, but he loved vintage cars. And when he would buy something, 1923 Rolls Royce, Silver Ghost, whatever, if it had like brown tweed upholstery, <clears throat> excuse me, he would have a suit made out of that same material. Mm-hmm. And he would go out in his giant warehouse full of vintage cars and he would start the car and he would just sit in the car with the matching suit and the poultry and just enjoy the car, the sound of the car and the vibration and everything. And he would shut the car off and he'd go back and get in his (laughs) daily clothes and go about his day, which I just thought that's such a. So a, rock and it's roll. It's a really nice rock and roll thing to do. You yeah. Know I mean? That's it's a lot. Just, that's someone with a lot of money. That's someone with a lot of money. Can't even drive the car. Yeah. That is a funny story for sure. Um, another one was uh, Hilton Valentine, who was in The Animals, mm-hmm. which, I, you know, they were they were playing, um, oh gosh, The House in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, House uh, of the Rising Sun. Rising Sun. Um, so I don't know if he, I don't know what his part was in the band but i do love that song he's playing a guitar yeah and then uh the next next one you want to go to the next well i was going to go to phil specter okay just because he was just i mean you if you looked up in webster's dictionary the the words troubled genius probably have his picture by it or the wall of sound that's a good point too yeah 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 but he, man, he, I just, I learned by asking you that he died in prison, which is pretty Yeah, unfortunately, pretty the last part of his life was not so fantastic, but... Um, but his hair was. His hair was, and yeah, he just, I mean, he was a force to be reckoned with when it came to the music that he put out in the 60s. Like, it was just everywhere. You couldn't turn on a radio without hearing his I music. I don't know if you would call his music white, black, whatever, I mean... He kind of was a writer and producer, but he was a genre of music. Oh yeah, unto for sure. himself. You know, for I mean, sure. which is for crazy. a producer, yeah, is very rare because usually, like, your job is to like kind of convert to that kind of the band sound or the artist sound, where he yeah. made the artist sound like his his craft work. Yeah, <laughs> craft work. Here we go. Um, it probably wouldn't work nowadays, but no, it wouldn't, but it was definitely very influential. Oh man. And very influential in just like engineering and changing the way music sounded just in general from him going forward. He made, he made so many strides in the technicalities of of production. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so yeah, such a huge 
loss for the music world. But again, he's also been in prison. So yeah, <laughs> there's that. There was Sylvain Sylvain from the New York Dolls, who uh, I like the Dolls. But my favorite part about that is Steve Stevens, who's one of my favorite guitar players ever in Billy Idol. He got his name idea from Sylvain Sylvain. There you go. <laughs> um, Mary Wilson, who was in the Supremes. I yeah. know that my mom loves the Supremes, so I was sad to hear her pass away. Um, there's a couple of country artists that were mentioned. K.T. Oslin. Yeah, who I worked with. Who you worked with. Charlie Pride, who yeah. you worked with. One of my favorite Charlie Pride stories was when I was at 16th Avenue Records. He was our flagship artist. He was kind of on his way down, but he still sounded great. And my job was to sit in front of him at fanfare and slide eight by tens to him as he was signing. Whoa. To not have a huge stack of eight by tens, but just slide them over one at a time. And we were sitting there and this lady came up to him and said, you don't remember me, do you? Which is a really unfair question to ask anybody of that level. And he put his pen down and he looked at her and he said, Worcester, Massachusetts, 1973. You came up and gave me a dozen roses after the show. Wow. And she went, that's what she said. <laughs> wow. She goes, that's right. And I just, I couldn't believe that's that. amazing. He knew the year. He knew the town, everything. He knew what she gave him. That's... And it just blew me away. And he always was, was so kind. And his wife, Rosine, had this bracelet on that had all these little gold circles mm-hmm. hanging from it. And I never could get close enough to look at it. Finally, one day I did. And it they were little gold records with song titles oh, on them of his gold records. And Aww. there was about 30 of them on this bracelet. And I just thought, that's pretty neat. And then I learned later that he owned banks and all sorts of stuff down oh, in Texas. Really? And he was worth a couple of bucks. In Texas or Mississippi? Yeah, Texas. Oh, interesting. Because yep. he's from Mississippi. Yeah. Yep. Um. Also, Nancy Griffith, who is a lot of people probably don't know her because she's not necessarily a popular artist, but she was in that kind of singer songwriter. Uh, She was great. Like country. Yeah. um, Americana ish. But she was very influential to a lot of. Oh, man. Yeah. People who you hear on the radio. Yeah. For sure. Um, Especially like the Dixie Chicks. I know they recorded a couple of her songs. Um, Roger Hawkins. One of the Muscle Shoals guys. mm -hmm. He was one of the. What did they call them? The Stompers. Stompers. He was one of the Stompers. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not cool that he died. It's pretty cool that he played on all those amazing yes, Muscle Shoals records. Again, he's probably in that documentary that we rave about. That oh, yeah. You need to go see if you yeah. haven't. Um, Biz Marquee, which, I mean, like, I only oh, know the one song. you. I just, like, I remember that song as a kid and, like, yeah. He Crazy. always seemed, every interview I ever saw, MTV or whatever, he always seemed like such a sweet guy. I'm sure he was a sweetheart, yeah. Like he couldn't believe all of all this, this was happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lloyd Price, who um, is like a 60s uh, kind of soul singer, he sang Staggerly, which is a song from that era that I love. Um, Alto Reed, Alto who was Reed. sax player for Bob Seger. For, oh, you were surprised about that one. Yeah, I didn't, I've never heard that before that yeah. he passed away. But he was in his band for a hundred years and he lived in Miami, I know, but I don't know. And DMX, which I remember him passing and I can't remember what happened. He was young. It just seemed young. Like he was so young. I can't remember if he was sick or not, but um, 
DMX and then Dusty Hill, which was a shock, mm. I think, for us both of ZZ Top. Um, uh, Chick Corea. Chick Corea. One of the most influential jazz keyboard players ever. But yeah, going back to Dusty, sorry. That was, that was, I've been such a ZZ Top fan my whole life. That was. And they've been, you can't name another band in the world that's ever been around for 50 years with oh. all the original members. Right. So that's, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and Hal Ketchum, going back to country stuff, he passed yeah, away. Man. He had been sick for a while. Um, I think he had Alzheimer's. Yeah, he did. Yeah, which is sad. Awful. Leslie West, one of my heroes, guitar player. Man, what a, what a guitar player. He was in Mountain. Mountain. And he was a Mountain had diabetes towards the end of his life. He only had one leg and he was still touring. Wow. Cause they had to take, take the leg. But yeah, that was, that was a, that was a blow. He'd been putting out great records too. The last two or three or four were really cool, man. Um, going back to dusty. Another thing that was funny about, you know, beer drinkers and Hellraisers, He was playing cards backstage at his easy show and his gun fell out of his boot shot him in the stomach so he accidentally shot himself in the stomach playing cards at one of his own shows so that's kind of funny that's pretty rock and roll that's pretty rock and roll uh robbie steinhart from kansas violin player awesome love that Um, i'll always love that band there's also one of the best documentaries of any band around about kansas which Hmm. is really cool uh jim steinman who wrote and produced the uh, Meatloaf album, Bad Out of Hell, which is a little bit of a statement. Yeah. And uh, he was also a big music country music fan, which is funny to me. And then uh, Waltner Yetnikoff died, which he, he was the head of CBS Records forever. I mean, back with Michael Jackson's Thriller and mm. Billy Joel and all that stuff. He wrote a book called Howling at the Moon, which are some of the greatest rock and roll stories that have ever been told. <laughs> the funny thing is they're all true. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was a definitely, a, a he should get that Amateur again award. Maybe he already did. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Herbie Herbert, who was journey's first manager mm. started out as a guitar tech for Santana and, uh, did pretty well with journey and yeah. a bunch of other bands. And he invented the screens at concerts that are oh, on either yeah. side of the stage, so it doesn't look like little G.I. Joe dolls yes, on we're stage. we're very thankful to him. Yes, we owe him quite a bit. Everybody that goes to a concert this year, thank him, because that's, well, that's some good technology. Well, I was thinking about the Rolling Stones show. Oh, yeah. And those those oh. screens. That made that show. 100%. Yeah. Would have never, yeah, you couldn't have been, you couldn't have found those guys on no. stage. The stage is half. Not in the stadium. You know, no. Some of the other sad ones were uh, Billy Joe Shaver, Jerry Jeff Walker, a couple of Texas guys. But man, those guys wrote some songs. Yeah, that was that was sad. And my last one is uh, Rupert Neve, who invented the flying faders on mixing console and everything. And, and he was just a genius of that's another guy that just changed technology. Yeah, he could save mixes and all sorts of stuff on his board. So that was pretty cool. Well, and then they ended it with Don Everly. Oh, yeah. Of the Everly brothers. Um, his brother had already passed. Phil. So, Phil. And um, I I know their music because I remember you were asking me last night 
like if I ever bought any records, which I don't think I ever did. But um, when I was in high school, I was in a gifted program and like we learned stuff about the history of music, Mm. which is probably what made me interested in music, you know, for my career um, or part of my first half of my career. Um, And, um, you know, obviously starting out in the 50s and that's when they were prevalent. I remember I had to do like some interview with like somebody I can't remember what it was even for, but I remember interviewing my Aunt Mary Sue, and that was her favorite band was the Everly Brothers. Really? So all the Wake Up Little Susie, all that. Yeah. yeah she loved it, and um, so I knew those songs pretty well. And There's nothing like family harmony, man. Yeah. And yeah. those two guys are wonderful examples of that. For sure. So definitely people who have influenced a lot of other people. Um. So, yeah. Sad to see that many people pass away in a year. You kind of forget until they like add it up at the end of the year and just like that's a lot of influential. And that was about people. half of the people. A lot of the people were like really, again, like no players, yeah. jazz trombonists and drummers and stuff uh, that I just we didn't know. Didn't know who they were, so, but yeah. they were also very influential as well. And had people that loved them. Yes. Yes. So. You want to talk about Jay-Z? Yeah, I know you're not as big of a Jay-Z fan as just because you I'm just... ignorant. You're ignorant and you were on, like you said, you were on the road so much during that time that he was out. Um, and a lot of these hip-hop stars kind of came to yeah. to be. But um, he uh, kind of, they started out with like a video and it was literally the most star-filled video I've ever seen of people just like quoting his lyrics from, you know, yeah. obviously Beyonce <laughs> yeah, cool. to Kevin Hart. And I, I, mean, I can't even Samuel think L. Of, Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, it's like literally <laughs> Idris Elba, yeah. um, Ed Sheeran. I mean, like if you can think of them, they were probably in the video. Yeah. It was that many people, <laughs> but it was so cool. And um, then, and they were, they were just quoting different lyrics from different songs. And then Dave Chappelle came out to introduce or to induct him. Yeah. Um, which was really cool because he just, Dave Chappelle doesn't just come out for anything, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that was very high speaking. Now, I will say it's very, very strange to me that I did not see Beyonce there at all. Well, we thought she was going to perform. We thought she was going to perform. She, that's right. And then there was no performance. There was no performance. So I don't know if like they cut it out, but why would you cut out a Beyonce performance? Yeah. One of the biggest stars of the, of the night. Unless you couldn't get. Licenses? Licensing on those songs. That but I don't even remember reason. her being in the crowd. No. He po- kept pointing at his table and it was, it was sons like and daughters and his mom. His mom and, and sister. Yeah. Um, yeah anyway, one, one thing that um, Dave Chappelle said about Jay-Z and his music was actually a quote from Tupac that said, a rose, he's like a rose that grows mm. from uh, the asphalt. The asphalt. Or concrete. Or concrete. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And, um he was, um, okay, I'm going to start getting him confused. It was, it wasn't him that was working with Rick Rubin, right? No, that was LL Cool J. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, like their careers are kind of like, I know LL, I mean, Jay-Z is a little bit older. There's a lot of, lot, later lot. on in. We watched a lot of TV last night. Yeah. Jay-Z's <laughs> career started later than LL Cool J's. Yeah. But so he started, um, apparently selling crack. Yep. And, but knew he wanted to do something more than that. And like, while he was like waiting for sales or whatever on the street, he would write down these little like thoughts he had and started doing like rap battles on the streets, um, and tried to get a record deal because his friend got a record deal or something. And 
he was like, wow, I can make money doing yeah. this. Do I want, yeah. and he said he came to a crossroad of, do I want to make money? I mean, do I want to keep doing this, yeah. this life, live this thug life on the street selling, you know, crack and yeah. not, not a great pathway. Right. Or do I want to be in entertainment? And so he's chosen entertainment. And then he can sell champagne and, he can sell and champagne. vodka, which yes. is kind of another crack. Well, you know, <laughs> um, but we do love some champagne. Um, but he started Rockefeller records and, um, put out, I guess a couple of records before like hard knock life really kind of hit. I yeah. felt like that was the one that hit. That's what I remember his first record being. I'm sure it wasn't. Um, he's had 14 albums all at number one. Um, I, I kind of think, cause like he came like to me in my mind from what I remember, he came like right out after like the Tupac and Biggie kind of East coast, West coast like gangster rap fights. Yeah. Um, and to me, he was more like fun party music. He didn't seem to be a part of it. He didn't seem to be a part of that stuff. He wasn't rapping and like, you know, calling other people out, calling out other rappers. Like which you is guys what go and kill Tupac each other. Did. Yeah. I'm going to be over here and print money. So it's kind of like in the, the era that like P Diddy was like doing his thing, doing the party yeah. stuff. And then Jay-Z came out. It felt like that was the same ish era i could be completely wrong but they showed some video of some of his shows that oh. looked like he was selling out stadiums and stuff i mean it was unbelievable like in other countries which yeah. our stadiums are big but you go to like places like brazil soccer stadiums they have these and soccer stuff stadiums, yeah it was crazy okay it's it's insane to see that many people in yeah. one place um but you know he's he was one of the first big rap billionaires, you yeah. know, him and Beyonce together. It's amazing. I was kind of surprised at how poorly his tux fit. <laughs> it was a little, maybe he had been like partying a little bit. I mean, I'm sure he had a couple of drinks, you know. I mean, that was probably a $10,000 tux. I just I'm like, sure. it was really kind of baggy and stuff. Yeah. Like, Dude. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I was, yeah, I was kind of disappointed there was no performance of anything, anything, you know, even yeah. I get, cause I don't know if he really performs that much anymore, but like how's somebody doing something as a tribute? Yeah. You know, a lot of young, young guys would have got up there and, and oh, yeah. taped his stuff all over the place. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like Kendrick Lamar is something that comes to mind that was on one of the videos talking about his, his influence and yeah. he would have been great. Yep. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was good to, to see him get that. Uh, and I don't know your um, your take on what the rock hall should yeah, be. Yeah, I don't think they're rock and roll at all. Right. But I think because of rock and roll music, when you think about the core of rock and roll music, where that term came from in the 50s and 60s, all that music has influenced every other music genre Oh, I get out that. There. I just think if you want to be in a hall of fame, you should have your own genre. It should just be a music hall of fame because that's what it is. It's just music. Like influential yeah, music sure ain't rock and roll but no but he did say like he you know they take their their um samples and stuff from rock and roll music which they do so they are influenced by rock and roll music you know it's just it's hip-hop but you know definitely more mainstream than it used to be oh and, yeah i mean I lo- i've always liked what jay-z I've does. never said any of those kind of acts aren't super talented and they're right. doing stuff that i can't conceive of but it isn't rock and roll. Right. But yeah, and, they're and, and like, super talented. Granted, like the rock hall, there's still one more artist we should talk about, but the rock hall, like we've talked about, like the way they induct people is just kind of, there, yes. there seems to be no basis upon it. Right. Um, Absolutely. Like we, we literally watched a thing on CBS this morning 
about Pat Benatar and how she's no, not get in the Rock that. Hall. Okay. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I shouldn't say she's not in the Rock Hall, and I'm like, um, she needs to be in the Rock Hall. Period. Mm-hmm. End of story. She's one of the most influential women artists in the '80s and the MTV era. That I mean, like the fact that she's not in the Rock Hall is ridiculous. The fact that Tina Turner, uh, Tina Turner, on her own wasn't already in the Rock Hall is ridiculous. I'm hoping now that. We have the Go-Go's, which everybody says, even Dan Aykroyd on an MTV said, they're the best all-girl band in the world. Well, that's like saying you're the skinniest kid at fat camp. You know I mean? It's like we don't induct bands because they're all boys. They're all guys. I'm hoping now that they got in, we can, and all these rap acts and hip hop acts, I'm hoping we can shut up about color and sex and, and just make it about the music. I just, I think that we've, okay, every boundary's been crossed, every hurdle's been jumped. Now let's just make it about the music. I hope. Yeah. I mean, yes, those people are all very influential, but I don't know. But the ratio of men to women is a little askew when there's just as many big female artists out there. And I know you don't think everybody should be in there. You don't think... Janet Jackson should have gone in, all that. But she was... She's wonderful. She's... Um, Not rock and roll. I, I do feel like some of these artists have gone in way too soon. Like the next one? Yeah. The Foo Fighters? The Foo Fighters. I mean, I used to love the Foo Fighters. And, you know, for reasons we won't get into, we're not big fans anymore. But... Um, one of my buddies said something that was awesome. And he's a huge Foo fan. He said, they've made one great record. If you take the hits off of every record they make and put it together, it's the best, greatest hits album of all time. Yeah, I bet. But, yeah. But, like, Nirvana literally just went in, what, two, three years ago? Yeah. That, to me, is weird. Like, yeah. to me, that's, I don't, I don't know. Take it or leave it. I felt like the Foo Fighters, there's definitely artists that should be in there before the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Just chronologically. Chronologically. Well, and they're, they're still waiting too long and... People yeah. are dying yeah. from bands that, you know, should have gotten in. Like I mean, I Tina just, Tur- again, not to harp on Tina Turner, but she was 81. Like, she couldn't come. Yeah. Like, why are we waiting until these people are in their 80s and well, She also lives it? in France. Right. But, but like, yeah. she can't travel. No, I was looking down. At, I made a list of, and again, this is just, I'm whining. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Pat Benatar, Motorhead, Oasis, Steve Winwood. None of them are in. Yeah. You know, and originally I thought a lot of what the Rock Hall was supposed to be was influential artists. Yeah. Who's not influential in that list? Oh, I agree. They're all influential. I mean, the people that got in are influential as well. And I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, it it doesn't affect my life one bit. Right. But it's just, it's, it's an interesting, you know, that debate's going to go on forever Forever. and a day. You know, listen to Eddie Trunk's show. He'll talk about it for on, uh, hours serious. and hours and hours on yeah. serious. And I agree he, with him. He has very, yeah, you and him probably have a very similar opinion on, yep, on the we do. Absolutely. voting and everything. But, you know, it just, I don't know. I was, I, I, I wish, I thought the show started great with Carol King and LL Cool J and then Tina Turner. And then it kind of just. Not fizzled out, but like the performances fizzled out. Well, and they used to do a great big jam with everybody and everything. Yeah. Okay. And literally, if you 
want to see one of the best oh man ever guitar performances you're gonna talk about prince aren't you google prince <laughs> at the rock hall it was what was it was it uh, my, well, my guitar gently weeps. weeps yeah i think it was with the year that um george harrison george harrison went in but it was all the traveling wilburys that were still alive up there yeah. jeff lynn tom petty they're all playing all the oh, stuff man. prince is somewhere in the background then it comes time <laughs> for prince to come out and do the solo he comes out and does a solo and literally like slaughters everybody Ugh. on the floor, dead. I and mean, as, as one, great literally as the best, great as Tom Petty and Jeff Lynn and everybody yeah. is, they just looked at him like, oh my gosh. And then he gets done and walks off, and it was just <laughs> yeah. like that is rock and roll, yeah, right there, yeah. And um, P.S. Prince's little purple butt needs to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is he not? I doubt it. I thought he was. I thought that's why he played that night. I don't know. Did he go in? Shoot, know. we got to look that up. We're okay, if he's not up. in there, he definitely 100% needs to be in there. Because he is one of the best performers of all time, period. Yeah. Well, and talk about a prolific songwriter. Yeah. Anyway, but, we can get off on that. We won't. Anyway. It was um, fun. But it was, yeah, it was fun. And the show's always good. And it, if nothing else, it's always good for a little friendly debate and... For sure, for People sure. want this person and don't want that person and whatever else. Yeah. So we'll see who gets in next year. Maybe they'll finally put in some of these hard rock, heavy metal bands. Yeah. That don't seem ever to make the cut. Um, yeah, Maiden sold 150 million records. Yeah. I mean, those are mm-hmm. bands that definitely deserve to be in there as much as others. Yeah, you know? As much as the Go-Go's. <laughs> You're looking at me like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm not a big necessarily a big fan of the I Go-Go's, know. but they they also yeah. made other young female artists want to be female artists and be in a band and Absolutely. do the things that they do. No, they so. yeah, they were influential. Anyway. Anyway. Thank you for listening to our review of the Rock Hall induction ceremony I don't think we're, 2021. I don't if you're think still we're, listening. I don't think we're done discussing this. We probably won't be done. <laughs> but if you're still listening, thank you. Please, um, yes. if you're not already subscribed, please subscribe and give us five stars because we appreciate those Absolutely. ratings. Thanks. And the follows and all that good stuff. And if there's something that you want us to talk about and debate about, yeah. Send us a DM on Instagram. We'd be happy to let us know. Talk about your interests. Yeah, we're always looking for topics, and and we're interested in everything. Yeah. So, bring it on. All right. Thanks. Bye.